You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. He's Emil Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. Couple of chumps here with you to talk football, your favorite thing, especially in September and all fall. And there's no end of it. It's coming everywhere. Hey, listen, I almost said something crazy there. Pause for all those of you out there that know what I mean. Um, Emil, we've got football almost every day of the week. Two Monday night football games. Kind of some snoozers. The later one had some events that we may need to touch on in this show, but there's a whole bevy of football stuff going on. Last week's college football games, this week's greater schedule of college football games, at least on paper. One of the one of probably the best weekends of college football of this season. On paper, next to week eight that's coming up, this is probably yes. the best week of college football that we have coming up. So we need to talk about the week that was and then the week that's about to be in college football. We also need to get into what happened in the NFL last week, plus what's coming up, which includes picks from college football as well as NFL football and everything in between. You know the drill, though. If this is your first time here, you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. And then if you're listening to us on your podcast station whatever it is you're listening to us on. all right spotify Anchor, apple play spotify you got it we're on there wherever you are go ahead and tap that subscribe button right now because i have a feeling you're going to like what we've got going on here so go ahead and do that great stuff for us as you know we are sponsored by bovada sportsbook the leading online sportsbook yes bovada is the leading online sportsbook operating on the internet so go ahead and give them a try. There is a link in it in the show's description. Let me ask you a quick question. Is there a better two months? Now think about this for your answer, but I thought about this. September and October to me are the best two months of if you're a sports fan. You've got the football season getting into full, you know, full full speed. You've got if you're a baseball fan, you got the pennant races and the playoffs. Basketball season starts for the NBA. For the people out there like hockey, hockey's going on. And if you're a soccer fan, the English Premier League is getting into going full tilt. You know, they start in August by September and October. So, I mean, you've got this time of year for me, you've got everything. And generally throughout the United States, it's a nice time weather-wise. You guys are starting to get some relief eventually from the heat as you get toward the back end of this month into the beginning October, we get great weather up here in the Northeast in the fall. So to me, it's the yeah, best time uh, of year. For look, sure. October, the month of October for me as a sports fan has always been the best month for me. Sure. Football, baseball, because we're into the World Series, which now stretches into November. We've got basketball, NBA basketball starting up. Um, hockey, when I was a little more engaged to hockey. Yeah. Uh, when I was running another website. Yes. Uh, and, and. <laughs> You know, you've got you've got everything going on there. Got everything at the same time. So there is no better time of year. And I think my favorite month is November. But and the worst is February. Yes. You know, especially if you're in the northeast and you can't really get out because there's a nor'easter. 
Um, well, my, no, but it's worse. My wife always says in February, right after the Super Bowl, I go into a depression. Uh, <laughs> football ends. It's kind of dark up here, short days, and baseball hasn't started yet. And you're in the point of the basketball season where the games are just like, can we get to the playoffs already? Can we get to the NCAA tournament? So for me as a sports guy, February is like, eh. Yeah, I mean, guess it's time to buddy up with friends like Jack Daniels and uh, Smirnoff and those types. <laughs> well, we know <laughs> he's my friend. That's Yeah, that's <laughs> probably what happens there. All right, Emil, I've got to get something off my chest here in our pressing matters segment. I've talked about this before. Um, I'm watching the first couple of weeks of the NFL here, and – I I played this game. I've coached this game. I still don't know what the hell is pass interference. I'm watching the the Browns Steelers game, and you know there's a play towards the end of the game there with Deshaun Watson trying to hit yeah. uh, Donovan People Jones on a back shoulder, <laughs> and yes, he's being guarded by the, the rookie Joey Porter Jr., who's got a full grab hold of the jersey all right i'm always one as a db as a former db coach trainer defensive coordinator i'm always reluctant to call something pass interference but by what i've known to be pass interference that's pass interference now there's some that saying the ball was uncatchable yes you've seen less you've seen less called pass interference the night before i did i'm gonna get to that um and i posted as much on my instagram page at all eyes db camp um, so they, people are saying, you know, if you're a Steelers fan, you're saying, oh, the ball was uncatchable. Yes, it was uncatchable because he had a hold of his jersey and didn't allow Donovan People Jones is a tall wide receiver with big range. All right. He could essentially be standing in bounds on a back shoulder, reach into out of bounds territory. Yeah. As you see many guys do catch the football and land with his feet in bounds and make that from play. a consistency point of view. I already agree with you. I will say this. And I remember to play, and I don't have I didn't have a dog in the hunt. Mm. Um, the ball appeared uncatchable to me, not in this perspective of if I impede a guy going down the field, well, who knows how fast he can run? He mm. might have caught it. This ball looked to me to be like Kareem Abdul Jabarish, okay, like way out of bounds. But again, I agree with you from a consistency standpoint. I've seen less called pass interference. So can you know? Can we get Absolutely. some consistency? Night before, Dolphins are playing right. the Patriots. Eli Apple is out there at the corner. Now, Eli Apple has a rep in this league that really shouldn't matter. Okay, it is not the NBA where we, you know, can let Jordan travel or we can let people beat up Shaq. That's not the game. Mm. And, you know, a two-shot foul is not the same as pass interference, which is a spot foul in the game. There's an out-route run. Eli Apple basically puts his hand on the guy's hip and then takes it off soon thereafter. And um, after that, flag is in the air. And I'm not, you know, understanding at all what's going on there with that. But nevertheless, this is what we've got. But I think you already know the, here's the thing. I think for the younger audience, people like, let's say, under age 50, you have to, you have to go back to the beginning of this right this the nfl rules changed dramatically in the late 70s by what you and i know as the mel blunt rule and a lot of nfl people will call it the mel blunt rule for those of you who are younger mel blunt is a hall of fame corner who played for the 
the the the Steelers, the Steel Curtain, and literally the rules back then were essentially the college rules. You could chuck the receiver until the ball was thrown. He beat the hell out of receivers. And literally, Steelers one year, they didn't even win the Super Bowl this year. I think they had eight shutouts. I want to say something like, go look, 1976, I think they posted eight or seven shutouts. Mm. So they took they took the corner play and said, we can't have this because no one wants to go and watch 7-3 football games. Sure. Okay. So they created what we know today to be the essentially the rules, which have been modified over the years. But as yeah, they said, the you, can rule. O- you can only the, chuck the, the, Mel rules, Blount, the Mel Blount rule. Yes. Right. Five yards. That's it. And it's a spot foul. And that's where I think you and I agree here. I don't think you ne- this needs to be a spot foul. I think it should be a maximum college rule 15-yard penalty, period. Yes, because I think it's too easy to manipulate and maybe that's too strong of a word, too easy to manipulate the outcome of a football game with pass interference. I, Amel, don't really know how people can stomach betting any significant amount of money on the NFL um, when things can be, when the outcome can be controlled by a call by the referees to that effect. I mean, you okay, I will say this, field, 50 yards. I, I agree with you there, but here, here's where I'm going to disagree. I don't think this really has anything to do with manipulation. I think generally speaking, the way the NFL, I, whether they say this publicly or not, I think they tell the officials when in doubt, they want the errors to be to the side of offense. Yeah, they okay. want points because they've invited into the, I watch invited games, into the game this whole new. Yeah, I watch games, and I'll tell you, my I'm a Cowboy fan. I watch the line play very closely, okay? Cowboys, for the last two, three years, have had one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. And this is proven. I read an article on this. Cowboys get very few compared to other teams holding calls mm-hmm. against their defensive linemen. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you've already got a great pass rush, Chances are they're holding your guys. Mm. But I think they tell these refs, unless it's just so blatant, let it go. They want offense. And I think it's the same thing with pass interference. When in doubt, and like the guy on Monday night probably didn't get the memo, when in doubt, throw the flag. They want the flag, and that's what the spot follows about. They want that scoreboard turning because that makes fantasy football interesting. And unlike guys our age, the kids walk around with the phone and they go, Oh yeah, my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. it, nothing happens in fantasy if people don't score. Okay. I mean, there <laughs> are nothing. defenses. There are defenses in this. I team. understand, yes, I but generally speaking, your whole team is offensive, except no. I defense. definitely, I definitely understand that part of it. Um, and I'm not saying the league is party to manipulation no. of games on that level. No, but the outcome of a game can. Oh, be- it's in the balance on a call. On a, with a referee, I want it to be decided by the play of the player. So if you're going to call interference, I feel like until you can get to a point where it's really consistent, what you have is a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a decision well, file. I'm missing a word it's here. It's a judgment call. It's, it's a, a ju- judgment it's a, call. It's a judgment call. That is more punitive than anything in of any other sport. You know, you well, they tried the review, and you know, because the officials were stubborn, they tried to give the coaches the review after that blown call in the Saints Rams NFC Championship game a few years sure. ago. And they, the, 
the the booth referees stubbornly basically never reverse pass interference. And to me, it should be like, listen, if we go to the booth, you got to honestly look at this as a referee with more angles and say, listen, that's not pass interference or that is. But I mean, why is that hard? If we're reviewing everything else, why is it hard to give an honest assessment as a booth official? And the other thing is, and I said this to you when we were texting over the weekend, the NFL, for some reason, why can't they go back to the college rules? It would make it so much easier if the DBs could chuck the receiver until the ball was thrown. And if it was a 15-yard penalty and people say, oh, well, scoring will go down. I watch college games. There seems to be plenty of scoring. <laughs> that is a point because, you know, I almost was not on your side until you did say that part right there because I don't know if I want to see, much as I love DB play, I don't know if I want to see guys at that NFL level. Uh, let me ask you, aren't the DBs from Michigan or the DBs from Ohio State playing against wide receivers from the other school? And they're all they all get to the NFL. So somehow when they play in college with these rules, teams still score. Now, I get it. True. They're all professionals in the NFL. And maybe we modify a little. OK, maybe maybe it becomes 10 yards. But why does it have to be five? Like, you know, until the guy gets down the field, like in other words, when he's in the the second level, you should still be able to chalk him. Now, if he gets maybe 10 yards, we make it instead of five. So there's a little bit more latitude. We limit the penalty to 15 yards because I don't want 50 yard penalties. I don't think we're going to get both. I don't think we're going to get both. I don't think they will remove the chuck rule and make it 15. I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll do either because they have no incentive. As far as they're concerned, their ratings are through the roof. We love the NFL and they get lots of scoring because of it. Yeah. This is part of we're inviting a a wider net of people into the game, which um, would bring me to another topic. But before that, you had something you want to get off. Yeah. You know, I was watching one of the channels and I'm not going to say which one because I'm not sure which one this morning, but was it stupid? It was probably ESPN. No, it wasn't stupid. It might've been, it might've been NFL network. Anyway, the point was they're going into all these imaginary trade scenarios and should the jets trade for Kirk cousins. And, you know, my whole thing with the jets, I just want to tap the brakes just because the media and the fans in New York were super excited. Right. I was leery of the jets from the beginning when they went for Rogers. Okay. I Are said they I thought trade for Kirk Cousins like right now. Yeah, like the Vikings are going to just trade. What would Cousins. the Vikings do with their quarterback position? Well, they don't care about the Vikings. They make up imaginary trades like they do in baseball. Like, hey, how about you trade Aaron Judge? This is the kind of crap you do in the off season, not in. Yeah, but but anyway, they're making this up, and I'm still like where I'm getting frustrated with the Jets situation is when you and I talked about the Jets. I said, yeah, they who knows what they're going to be, but I had the Dolphins and Bills better than them to begin with. There, the, Everybody makes this assumption because Tom Brady played till he was 45, that now all of a sudden all quarterbacks are going to play real well till they're 45. Almost like we assume all pitchers are going to throw 98 when they're 46, like Nolan Ryan. There's mm. outliers, okay? Rodgers didn't look good last year. Now, you can say whatever the reason. You could say it was receivers, this, that, whatever. He's 39 years old. So let's not... Let's not make it like the Jets lost a Hall of Fame quarterback at age 30. They lost an aging guy that we weren't sure of. And then we're making imaginary trades up, like what can the Jets do? I'm not so sure the Jets would be 
a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers. Not sure. Are you sure about look that? The, look at the AFC. I mean, Dolph, Dolph, the Dolphins were going to be good anyway. The Bills were going to be good anyway. The Ravens were going to be good anyway. The Bengals aren't good. Okay. Um, somebody has to win the South. The Chiefs are good. I mean, I, what I'm getting at is I'm not sure. Maybe they would have been. Maybe they wouldn't have been. I mean, I hear you. Um, listen, of course, there are outliers and things that happen. Generally speaking, Amy, picking up another team's quarterback doesn't typically lead to a Super Bowl championship. I mean, it really doesn't when you pick up Kirk Cousins. Right. I, that's just what's so silly about this. There's no scenario in which I think Jets acquired Kirk Cousins. The road to the Super Bowl goes through New York. So what would be the reason for doing I'll that? screenshot my conversation. I had a guy last Thursday, a friend of mine, big Eagles fan. He's He was off the reservation when the Eagles were playing bad. I, middle of the game, I said to him, listen, the Eagles are going to win this game 37-24. It ended up 34-28. I said, mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins will make a key mistake to get them behind, and then he will throw for 300-plus yards and multiple touchdowns. So I said, if you have him in fantasy – that's good for you. If you have him in real football, you're still going to get a loss. The game played out like that. He's like, holy hell, you were right. He's not um, at this point going to really change who he is. This is who he's been. But by and large, Amel, I guess if you're a Jets fan, you could say, well, Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback in this league. So like a Peyton Manning who switched teams and won a Super Bowl or a Tom Brady who switched teams and won a Super Bowl, why wouldn't that happen for us with an Aaron Rodgers? So I'm not going to get down on the Aaron Rodgers signing. What I am going to say is there is, for the New York Jets, no quarterback available right now that's going to come onto your team and make you a Super Bowl winner. It's oh. Zach Wilson or bust. Well, Here and to steal a page from your, you know, where you go with a lot of this stuff, I think the Jets have to start tailoring their game more to Wilson. I of mean, course. in other words, stop running plays now that Aaron Rodgers ran. Mm. Help him get the ball out quick where he's not, you know, in the pocket making poor decisions, throwing the ball down the field. Get it out of his hands quick. He's got guys like Wilson, who Garrett Wilson, who should be able to get separation on, on slants and stuff like that because they respect him deep. And play to your strength. You got a great defense there, or a top five defense. You can still win football games. I now, think the Jets' offensive minds are smart enough to know that. What has to happen is Zach Wilson has to buy into that. Who that's who he is, and it's early in his career, and he doesn't necessarily. And I'm just you know I don't know Zach Wilson. I would think it would be hard for a guy in his third year of his career to pigeonhole himself into a game manager type of role because that's going to stay with you for the entirety of your career. It works for someone like a Trent Dilfer who was later on in his career and it just, you know, after a while, you know what, that this looks like oh, what I, I am and I do want to ring before I leave out of this thing. I'm clearly not going to be an all-time passer. I'm not Elway. I'm not Marino who were the creme de la creme at that right. time. So – let me get a ring out of this thing. And yeah, I'll hit the check downs guys. I'll throw the slants. I'll stay short and take the deep shot 
when you guys tell me to take the deep shot and I know I've got an all-time defense over there. That's a tough ask for a 23, 24-year-old like Zach Wilson. So I think that I think the Jets off offense. I know Nathaniel Hackett knows this. He has to. We can't be smarter than him, Emil. It's just Zach Wilson has to buy into that. That has well, to be sometimes, you know. You know, like Tony Soprano, sometimes guys need convincing. So maybe you send a guy like Quentin Wills Williams in there when he's alone after the game and you say, listen, Zach. <laughs> Let me talk to you for a minute. Let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? A little Ray Donovan. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a I'm at a position that doesn't allow me to play till I'm 39. And right. so I probably really only have six good years here, and I'd really like to play in the big game at the end. So you better not F it up for us, or you know what? Some things might and happen. To you. And I'd really like you to stay healthy so you can your mother's gonna get a new friend someday. I mean, so oh God, did you go there? <laughs> okay, let's get back to real football. You are, now. Yeah, you are ruthless. Speaking on the inviting uh, this new crowd into your game, which the NFL has definitely been on, so much so that we just have all these overseas games. We're trying to widen the audience of people that watch NFL football. I don't know if that's the plan, but that's what's happening in Colorado. Sure. Deion Sanders' presence there has brought so many new people in. And, Emil, the bombardment on social media of Deion Sanders and all things Sanders in Colorado Buffalo is insane. The other day, I opened up Instagram and the first 10 videos in my feed were all Colorado Deion Sanders related. So what happens with people there, you know, because Instagram's run by common folks to get views now to run up your algorithm, to max your views out, you're posting anything Deion Sanders. And well, so, yeah, it takes on a life of its own. It's the proverbial snowball. Anything Deion Sanders. I am yeah. seeing old interviews when he was a cowboy that he did with Skip Bayless when Skip Bayless had a decent amount of here. I'm seeing all kind of wild stuff. So what that is, is now you've got all kind of people who aren't really interested in football, never yeah. before, before commenting. And one of the biggest things I saw them commenting on, the the as they call them, casual fans commenting on, was the hit by the Colorado State safety on Travis Hunter that put him out of the game and essentially out for several weeks. Yeah. Football fans is like, man, he probably the most extreme football fan. I might have heard them say he should have been kicked out of the game for that. The casuals want the kid ejected from college football, not be allowed to play college football again. And I've gone so far as to hear people say he should face criminal charges. Yeah, okay. Or, I'm right. old, I'm old enough to remember, and you are too, when that was a common play, especially in an NFL game. Yes. Uh, probably fairly common in some of the old Florida State-Miami games back in the 80s and 90s. Well, you would not sneeze at anything like this. No. As a matter mean, of fact, you would be angry at the player on the ground for being there too long. I'll We're tell you, the kid from Colorado State, first of all, I watched that entire game. I stayed up till 2 in the morning. He's a good football player. I mean, hit he aside. Is. Both of those safeties were good football players. Yeah, he's, he's a good football player. Is what brought that about. The energy of the game. There was yes. all the pregame stuff with the – I take my hat and my shades off when I talk to grown yeah. folks, to Dion playing up to it and selling the shades, and now it's personal. Yeah. 
and the pregame meetup where they almost fought. All of the energy of that led to a moment like that. And, that's and it's a rivalry game that we don't consider because most of us are following Colorado, Colorado State. Sure. It's a rivalry game out there. It's no different than Auburn, Alabama, USC, UCLA. I mean, these are games where, you know, you, you're going to have this kind of stuff. Exactly. And there were probably plays like that going on all over the field. It's just this particular play happened against the marquee player for Colorado, and he happened to be hurt to the point of having to leave the game and never return. Now, if he had laid there for a moment, maybe the wind was knocked out of him, took him out, and he was back in two plays, none of this is going on. And no one would think that the kid should face criminal charges, which, by the way, Emil, he's been faced, he's been getting death threats. I know something about that because, you know, Marco got death threats after the shoe throw. Yeah. You don't worry too much about those when they happen on social media because if you were if you were really about it. Well, You're not doing that. But I will say this. I liked, you know, Dion, I, I sent it to you. You've probably already seen it anyway. What he said about it I thought was really, really good, you know, because he put it in context for people. You know, we're playing a game here. I mean, right. I think people forget we love it. We have a show that we do about it every week. We love it. It's a game. It is. So, it's Let's a game. Let's not have so someone nobody... face criminal charges for playing the game. I don't see anyone trying to send a hockey player who's pummeling a guy on the ice for, you know, a good 60 seconds, wanting him to face criminal charges or be barred from the game of hockey. So it just gets a little bit ridiculous on that end. And, by the way, Travis Hunter came out and said – he has a it's Twitch football, stream man. that he does, which is a. He said it's football. He, he says said it's football. football. The actual guy who got hit and is out, who has a whose liver hurts, his liver <laughs> hurts as a result of this hit, and his head coach who now has to go into the meat part of his game schedule without this key player, have both said we're good. He's forgiven, but no, that's not good enough for the casual fan. They need him hung in the middle of town square <laughs> at noon in front of everybody taped and streamed live on YouTube TV. Again, because again, you're dragging the casual fan and a lot of them never played any, anybody who's played any sport, pick the sport, doesn't matter, knows what they're, you know, once they get past the 10 year old phase, you know, if you're playing football, you know, there's a chance you can break a bone or tear, tear something, get a concussion. If you're playing baseball and you're, you're pitching, you know, the ball might get hit back at you and God forbid, it hits you, it could hit you in the head. You know that, you, you know, you don't have to be a professional. If you're a, a NASCAR driver, you know, making left-hand turns at 190 miles an hour is pretty dangerous. Yeah. The, the casual um, people are the ones who have the problem. Anyone they're in, doing they're it insane. Knows that. And I just wish, Emil, I don't have any problem with them poking their head in to see what's going on in this football world. Why do you need to comment? Watch, look, learn, listen, comment to... Anne Marie on the couch next to you. Why do you got to tweet about it? I had to tell a guy today on Twitter who was on the, oh, the kid should be banned from college football. Stop commenting on, on football. Try, try auto, try, try the auto industry. Try something. Anything. Maybe just not say anything at all. Yeah. I mean, there's no, and, and it's absurd on its face. Right. And, and that's why I think a guy like Dion, who now he always had a big platform, but it's really big now. He got up and said, enough already. Essentially, that's what he's saying. And, you know, that, by the way, that game Saturday night, 1030 or 2 in the morning, nine over 9 million people watched the game, the fifth highest broadcasted game in terms of viewership 
I think, ever, and the highest for ESPN. Wow. Oh, 10 o'clock Eastern time start. 10.30. 10.30, because it was delayed. I went to bed at, I went to bed at uh, I want to say 2.10 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, un- unbelievable what he's doing. There's no telling what the Colorado-Oregon game will draw this weekend, but um, it's just amazing. You know what would draw 50 or 60 million viewers? If they took the Blackwell kid from Colorado State and they took Minka Fitzpatrick and they walked him out into the town square and shot him both in the back of their head, that would draw a whole bunch of... Oh, wait, stop. Say you're kidding now because somebody will get... You're kidding. I ain't worried about that. I'm obviously joking. <laughs> and um, but that would draw 50, 60 million viewers because they're bad guys today. And for people out there, I know Minka Fitzpatrick personally... He's not a dirty player. You've got someone like a Nick Chubb who's probably run Minka over a good amount of times because people forget he faced him in the SEC. Um, He's a bull coming through there, and he went about trying to get this man down um, the best way he knew how. Nick Chubb has a – for you casual football fans out there, Nick Chubb is a big, strong guy. He's got a full head of steam through the hole, and I'm trying to get him down near the goal line, I don't want to come in there high and have him take me and himself into the end zone for an easy touchdown. So the best the best way I could go about it is try and cut this guy's legs out and stop him right where he is. By the way, what you're saying right now, you don't need to go to Twitter, right? Bleacher Report. It's a sports site. Mm. Now, I like to read the comments generally because they make me laugh on most things. Unfortunately, I read the comments on that. These are supposed to be people that like and watch sports what they were saying and with age you learn not to comment because it's a rabbit hole i don't want to go down sure what 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 they were saying about think fitzpatrick one you know people like you got to wrap up and tackle have you looked at the size of the two guys here you try wrapping up and tackling that guy in the hole you the only way you're going to get him down in that situation with that discrepancy in size is to go Low. low and try to knock his pins out from under him. He wasn't yeah. trying to hurt him. Yeah, some way, shape, or form, you're going low. You're not going to be Minka Fitzpatrick taking on Nick Chubb high and think that the the play will end where it ended. And I want to say it's going to end like Bosworth and Bo Jackson did years ago. Yeah, it's not, and 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 the Bos was a big guy, so his really only um, option was to go low. You could say yeah. maybe he could have gone in low a different kind of way. He has no idea that at the time he hits Nick Chubb's legs, his foot's going to be firmly planted in a way in which he couldn't get it out. You've seen guys in football take guys' legs out all the time. All right. You you do know there's a small possibility that this could happen, but nine times out of 10, they hit him in the legs, legs come out, guy flips. We're on grass too, I, by the way. I don't think people, I don't think people either they don't they haven't played many sports when they were younger or whatever i don't think they realize how fast things happen in any sport like it's not like you're sitting there on tv everything looks easy on tv oh and i would have did this i maintain that if i take the common joe even a guy that thinks he's tough and i put him where that referee is right behind the defensive line, and I put him there for three plays in an NFL game, they are going to audibly scream at mm-hmm. what is happening in front and around them. They will scream. You will be in you will be in mental turmoil 
standing right there having all that going on around you. You just don't understand. And if oh, you you're talking about the that, violence. What I'm talking about is just generally. No, yes. not even I mean, the violence, just the speed of what speed. is going to be. Big men moving like that. And if you don't I, I, do that, take your ass over to Coney Island and go hop in the batting cages and go stand in there with 100 miles an hour, which is. I laugh all the time. I'll be I'll be sitting at a, a sports bar during a baseball game. And you'll hear the you always have the one guy. I can't believe he took that pitch. Well, I think he was looking for some spin there. And the guy threw it 98. <laughs> you know. We used to marvel at like Nolan Ryan or a goose gossage back in the day for hitting hundred miles an hour on the gun. It's so common now that that's what a, and that's what a major league baseball player is dealing with. And I, I did say go in the hundred mile an hour cage at Coney yeah. Island. Here's what happens. If you go in that hundred mile an hour cage at Coney Island, you're expecting a ball to come out at what you think might be a hundred miles an hour. You're still going to be surprised by it. A major league baseball player is standing in that box, not knowing if he's going to get a hundred miles an hour or if he's going to get 87 miles an hour change up or some off-speed curveball. So when you do get a hundred, it feels like 120. So you know, yeah, yes, no, but you're you're right. I think I think a lot of I think the casual fan getting dragged into sports, while it's good for the money, it's good for the cash register. Uh, some of us suffer because of it. <laughs> yeah, dragging them in and then having social media also part of the mix is like i really got to sit here and look at these like silly comments uh, welcome to football i'm glad you're here keep your mouth shut watch a full season before you make a comment or a tweet but i will say this like i told you about instagram if you tweet you put Deion sanders name in it or travis hunter's name in it you get a lot of looks likes tweets retweets so there you go there you have it all right let's talk about some actual action on the game College football last week. Emil, let's jump into the picks that we had, and we can maybe discuss some games at Oh, See, he wants to go to the picks. Like I got my, my, my trusty folder here, my pick folder. Open the He folder. wants to talk about them. You know why he wants to talk about them, folks? Open the folder. He wants to talk about them because this guy is, is, is lighting up college football. He's lighting up both, but college, he's 7-2. and two. SEC Scooter here. Listen, man, if you want to get down on action and you want to make enough money to get out of your double wide, I mean, like, really step up, you got to go on ahead and open yourself an account over there at Bovada Sportsbook. It's the best online sports book that has just ever been put around. I mean, this is just better than the little card game that you're going to have going down over there at the local saloon this weekend. I mean, if you're trying to cash in, Bovada is where it's at. They've got poker, they've got blackjack, and they've got the ponies. Plus, you can get down on the NFL and college football action every week. I mean, you just can't beat us. So don't be a ham bone. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool. Go on ahead and hit that link in the description and open yourself an account with Bovada Sportsbook today. Make it happen. Seven and two on the year. Another two and one week for my friend. Big win on Duke. Uh, Northwestern's in a world of hurt. Uh, that 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 program's hurting. Uh, another nice win on Syracuse. You called that thing. Well, that was a road win, I believe, right? They won at Purdue. Yeah, not a thing that they do very often. But. No, they don't. They get outside the dome, and then finally, your loss was on a game. I think this game surprised all of us a little bit last week because. For a little while, Georgia looked like they were in trouble there. 
I think they were down 14-3 in that game at one point. Yes, Amal, and I've got to admit something to, um, you know, our listeners, watchers, viewers. Um, I hadn't really watched Georgia football this year. I made some assumptions about Georgia football. We're still early in the season. I'm not going to be able to see everyone. But it forced me to go look at Georgia football, and Amal, I did not like what I saw. Now, I invited SEC Scooter onto the game to make this pick. I don't know if we're going to bring him back on since he couldn't pick a winner here. But I watched Georgia, and I'm concerned. And it just leads me to believe, I don't know if I text this to you or not, college football is really wide open this year because the juggernaut that I thought Georgia would continue to be, and they may very well do that. This could be a down year. They're missing. They're missing a lot of things. They don't have, they don't have, an unblockable pass rusher. It seems like what they've had in years before. They don't have a dynamic skill player that can go get them an easy touchdown. That's both in the backfield and on the edges. And they've got a brand new quarterback. So it's going to be tough sledding for Georgia in big time games. But what I think saves Georgia this year is this, right? If you schedule again, yeah, you go through the schedule, and and originally the game, and it might still be the Fine, game. But they're going to play college football playoff games. That's why I'm saying they're going to run into a problem. Well, sure, but that's my point. They're almost guaranteed. Like at first, I was thinking, okay, maybe the Tennessee game. But unless something happens where Tennessee vastly improves from what I saw on Saturday, Georgia's probably going to go twelve and zero. Now, maybe they lose an SEC title game. But if you're twelve and zero, unless you get manhandled an SEC title game, you're probably still getting in the playoff. That's not a thing for Georgia. That's an assumption that they will be there. They have an SEC title game. They would have a first-round college football playoff game, and then they would have a championship game if they happen to get that far. And I'm saying they're going to have a tough time getting through those three things with what I see them currently working Oh, with. I agree with you. I think, I mean, their, their offense, and let's be honest, South Carolina – was manhandled by North Carolina earlier, a couple weeks earlier. Uh, they struggled mightily in that game. Final score ended up 24-14. But, you know, for a while there, they looked like I didn't particularly love what I saw defensively. You no. know, the big story is going to be offense because you only scored 24 points. But I didn't love what I saw defensively. South Carolina moved through that defense easier, easier than I thought they should be able to. And if your offense is not going to be dynamic as it has been in past years, you really need your defense to be dominant. And right now I'm not seeing the domination defensively from Georgia as I've seen in the past. So they're weak on both units, weaker. Let me not say weak, weaker in both units in a year where there are a lot more teams that can make, make a run at the title. So that's, that's, a, that's bad news for Georgia. Well, listen, overall, you just keep doing what you're doing because that was your only loser. And, and on the se- last week on the season, like I said, you're seven and two. I've got to fix what I'm doing because I was one and two again. I've had three straight one and two weeks. I'm three and six. I started with Florida State. And, you know, shame on me. I was handicapping the opponent here. And I still believe Boston College is a bad football team by evidence by them beating Holy I'm sure Cross. Florida 30. State feels the same way. It's just they had. Sure. I think what happened in this game was, you know, classic look ahead situation, which I should have saw a little bit. Hmm. I just didn't. I thought even in a look ahead, Florida State would kill them. And I'll be honest, I, I watched the second half of that game. Florida State could have lost that game. Um, oh, yes. That's I didn't see the game. 
That's all that I've heard, though, from people who did Boston watch. Boston College had 18 accepted penalties and lost the game by two points. Unbelievable. First of all, that, yeah. you know, the referees were that busy. I will tell you this, having been through this before as a player and both, you know, as a coach, so to speak, I don't care what a coach tells you. You definitely start working on a future opponent when you think you've got a weak guy this week. You sure. Sure. As a coach, you will look ahead and start formulating a game plan because you feel like you need that extra time to work for them. That takes away from – Well, be clear here. This is at the college level. In the pros, it's any given Sunday. But I think in college, sure. when you see when you see these these 25- and 30-point lines, you re- I be, you know, totally believe you in that they're looking saying, listen – Oh, I yeah, call this them, happens. I, we, I call them tunnel. I call them tunnel games. Yeah. The best programs have eight tunnel games a year. There's 12 games, eight of them you won when you went through the tunnel on the field, mm. generally speaking. And I think in those situations, coaches will use, like you said, half game plan that team and then half they're looking, oh, we got Absolutely. these guys next week. It yeah. happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I lost Florida State. I, I had a winner on Penn State. Penn State didn't play well. Uh, their, their, their young quarterback hit only 48% of his passes. Fortunately, their defense took the ball away four or five times. Uh, Illinois was their own worst enemy. And that was good for me. I laid 14 and a half Penn state one. And then finally I made the mistake of the weekend. I figured Michigan state would rally around this us against the world mentality coaches in trouble. We're a big-time program. We're home. We're getting 16-and-a-half points. Man, they lost 41-7. That game could have been 81-7, to okay? They got absolutely throttled, and I apologize. That was really reading the tea leaves Yeah, they were really non-competitive there, but now you know. Now you know what the situation is. Well, I know where they're at. I mean, I'm staying away from Michigan State because I just, honestly, the rest of the year, I don't know what we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump into our picks for this week coming up. I do want to say this, Amal watched a lot of ball this week, both, you know, live Saturday and then some games afterwards just to get a look at some teams. I want to give you kudos. And then I also want to say this. I'm very impressed with the Washington Huskies. They've got a really good football yeah. team. I don't, where's that game against USC going to occur? Coliseum. If that game was going to be in Washington, I would, um, I'd feel pretty solid about Washington's chances of winning that game. They're very good in the trenches, especially in the offensive line. I've got to say this. Everyone's talking about the quarterback, Michael Penix. And I heard all this talk about him last year. And then when I got forced to watch him, because I think it was a pick I made on the show, I was completely unimpressed. Just was not impressed with this kid at all. What I do see now this year is he has amazing protection. And I don't want to take anything away from the kid because every quarterback is a whole lot better when they can stand in a pocket sure. and do their reads. He's getting a ton of that so far. That's what I'm seeing. He's got some playmakers, some big-bodied wide receivers now that can go get the football and run after the catch. Um, they're they're solid on defense. Washington has a good chance of making some noise here because they get to hang outside of all of the spotlight. They're not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Georgia. They're not Alabama for however long Alabama gets the privilege of that in this season. They're not USC. Um, they're not Florida State. They can hang right there on the outside and let some dominoes fall and slide in there and 
they, I think, could really be in the mix. Well, well, without the benefit of obviously knowing how the season's going to play out, I could easily see USC and Washington playing twice. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could definitely. We'll see how that goes, but, but rest assured, I'm not proud of picking against them last week. So how about this, since you're hot, let me go first. Go ahead. It seems like our audience will hang around and listen for yours. Um, I'm going to start off with another big game. I'm going right back where we came from. Uh, everybody will run away. A lot of people will run away from Florida State this week because of the struggle at Boston College. And we've been around long enough to know that those kind of games, you're going to have one during the season that you got to escape against a team that you probably should have killed. I think yeah, they're going to um, go to Clemson. our 2001 team, Miami. Same place. Same place. It's a tough place to play sometimes if you're not. I've close. been there. I've I was at a. I've been to Boston College for a game. It's a, it's a very small a USC. Group. Yes, and I don't. Yeah. Did they play all that well that game either? They I got beat. Yeah. They got beat. Yeah. Uh, Florida State. I'm going to take them. Given two and a half. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was high on Clemson. You weren't. You. I, I agree. I've come over to your line of thinking. I really don't like what I've seen from Clemson yet this year. And I don't think it's going to change much. I think Florida state got their wake up call. Now they go on the road. They should be, this should, that should help them this week. They should be focused, motivated, good week of practice. I think they go and they, they beat Clemson rather easily. And then I'm going to piggyback the two, the two people, two teams in that game. I still think Boston college is a bad football team. And I think they left everything they have on the field last week. And because of that performance, I think it's actually holding this line down. I'm taking Louisville at home, giving 13 and a half to Boston College. I think Louisville is a pretty solid team. And I think Boston College got real close. And now they're like, wow, we lost. And and now they got to go play another solid football team on the road. And I think it's going to be very hard for them to bring the level of it's intensity. Be they, yeah, fatigue. I'm going to take Louisville minus 13 and a half. And then finally, in what will be just the TV game of the week, you know, at this point, if you're going to give me Colorado and 21 points, Travis Hunter, no Travis Hunter, I'm taking 21 points, okay? Prove me wrong, Oregon. But I don't see how a line maker sets that line at three touchdowns. And if if I'm a sucker, then I'm going to be a sucker because to me, I think Dion will get his kids to be focused and play hard enough that they're going to hang around in that game. And who knows? At this point, like you said, I'm not going to doubt it till I see it. So if they, you know, they may win. I don't know, but I'm going to take 21 points in Colorado. I'm wholeheartedly on board with that. You and I discussed what we thought the line might be. I've said 10. You I said, said seven and a half. And we're both blown away by what the actual line is. It's disrespectful. And so far, Deion Sanders has done a pretty good job in finding the things that he needs to find to motivate the team. It's, you know, last week it was the sunglasses. Yep. Um, the week before that, it was um, something going on with, Nebraska's head coach that I Whatever. I don't know where it came, but if it works, it works. And to he me, he doesn't need anything this week other than no. look at how Vegas thinks about your team. Um, Travis Hunter is out. Travis Hunter, while a great player who plays on both sides of the ball, is not a 10.11-12 two touchdown swing. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, I'm all bored. I cannot see Oregon, who has played Sisters of the Blind, 
and uh, Portland. I don't know which one. Is it Maine or is it Oregon? Go Oregon, um, yeah. They they don't know anything about their team. I can't see. If the- you told me his son, the quarterback, was out, then I'd say, okay. Yeah. I get it. The right. quarterback touches the ball every play. I get it. But yes. if you're telling me a kid that, that's a corner and receiver, you know, and again, he's an excellent player, but we're not talking, you know, we're not talking Jerry Rice here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I watched Oregon against Texas Tech where they had all types of problem on both sides of the ball. Why would, why would Texas Tech be 14 points better than Colorado is what you're saying? Because, you know, it was 38-30, that final. Now, the game was at Tech, fine. But so again, what? Since when yeah. has Lubbock been the epicenter of? Do you know, you know what this game, you know what this game feels like to me? 45-38, somebody wins it, okay? Yeah, it's going to be like every other Colorado game to this point, in my opinion. So yes. I'm with you on that. All right, here's what I'm going to be rolling with um i'm in the big 12 okay it's been kind to me i'm gonna go with iowa state they've got a game this week against oklahoma state they're laying three and a half oklahoma state's not good this year man um and it uh, low-key i don't think people realize just how consistent oklahoma state has been as a program under um mike gundy they're just not, Who throttled them last week? Help help my memory here. They lost to South Alabama 33 to 7. You mean the Alabama Crimson Tide? The Alabama that's south of the Alabama. Oh. <laughs> south Alabama. Now, oh. That was at home. It's an embarrassing <laughs> loss. And yes, they're going to be highly motivated. Whether or not, Emil, they could do anything about that, I'm not sure. They lost to, they they barely beat an Arizona State team that got shut out at home by Fresno State last week. And they were in a tight one against Central Arkansas. Um, so I just don't think Oklahoma State's very good. This line's low enough um, for an Iowa State team that I think is good enough to, to, to cover. You're only, given, you're only given three and a half. Yeah, and um, strongly feel like they'll win this game despite what happened. I think um, so too. I'm going into the SEC now. I invited this guy last week to do an SEC pick, and he he didn't get it done. So I'm gonna give him another chance. And so now, SEC scooter showed up. I'm gonna tell, we'll tell you something. I I might have been wrong about that Georgia pick. I was, you know, I, you know, I was a little Kirby Smart love. It just went a little bit. You're too a little much. wrong, Scooter. But listen, <laughs> if I can't win with a guy named Kirby, I for sure know that I can win with a dude named Jimbo. There ain't no way Kirby did a Jimbo gonna do me wrong. Ain't no damn way. So here's what I'm gonna do for you. What do you have Texas A&M over there over at your little casino? That you- I got him at seven and a half point favorite. Seven and a half is awesome. I'm going to take that because I like the hooks at the end. I don't got to deal with the whole full point. I'm going to ride with Texas A&M. They're still scathing off of that little beating they took down there in the tropics from Miami. So I'm, I'm going to just Scooter, tell you. I like that word, scathing. That little, that little that? hot bath they took down there <laughs> from, uh, when they was down there laying around on the beach and everything in Miami. That's not there in the oil fields this way, friend. Okay? They're, oh. just, not, they're just not going to do the same thing that they did before my man Jimbo can't afford another loss like that. So I'm going to go ahead and ride around with them boys there from Texas A&M. You know, that oil money runs real deep and they probably then tapped on his shoulder and said, Jimbo, you're going to have to get your act together. So give me Texas A&M seven and a half 
against them Auburn boys that ain't been worth a damn since that Cam Newton fellow. SEC, SEC scooter comes coming in with Texas A&M. I'm staking my whole reputation on this because my boy Chad ain't looking to have me back. If no, no he won't let you back on the show, Scooter. So you better you know, get it right this week. <laughs> they're really country over there in Tallahassee, so I could stick around to do the Florida State pick, but they're not in the SEC. So I'm out of here, Amel. Appreciate it. All right. I'm there with you. There you go, SEC Scooter. SEC Scooter's out of here. I'm back. I'm going to join you on the Florida State pick. You said uh, you said most of what I wanted to say there. Uh, Flor- this is just a battle of two, two teams that aren't looking ahead, aren't looking behind, and the better team is going to win this football game, usually when you have matchups like that. And Florida State right now clearly is the better team here. You're only asking me to cover two and a half. I think previous reputation – is built into this line, and so we get to take advantage of that. Um, Clemson Reputation and home field, you know, is is obviously to me driving that. I think, I think if this was Florida State twenty years ago in a similar situation, this this line is ten points. That's yeah. Well, seriously. ten years ago, Florida State was hanging forty and fifty on people, and Clemson didn't get spared from that. But it's a different time, and Clemson has been at the top of the mountain, you know, more recent than Florida State. And people are still adjusting to this new Florida State. Is this a facade? Is this for real? Um, last week, you when we're starting to believe in you, look what you did at Boston College. So we're getting the aid of what happened in Chestnut Hill last week. And I'm going to ride with Florida State. I just think the better team's going to win here, and that is Florida State. So that's my three. That's there you I'm... go. Well, there you go. Let's let's talk about. Let's recap that for the the listeners. Uh, Chad, who is is hot, he's going Iowa State minus three and a half. Texas A and M. Well. His friend Scooter told him to take Texas A&M minus seven and a half. Can't SEC go against Scooter. what Scooter says. He's nope, an SEC can't do that. And, and then he's got Florida State minus two and a half. And there's a couple other games we should probably just touch on before we go over to the NFL. Uh, you know, I know we don't have official picks on them. There's a big game at Notre Dame Saturday night. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Amel. This is a lot of answers get a lot of questions get answered early on in the season here. People aren't sure what you're getting with Ohio state. We don't know. Should we turn up the heat on Ryan day yet? Or is it just business as usual? And then what do we have at Notre Dame? Is this team for real? Or are, are we going to have to deal with Notre Dame at the end of the year where they're, Oh, should we put them in the playoff or not? Is it that kind of team? Amol, I went back and forth with this actually being one of my main picks. I'm going to lean on the side of Notre Dame. They're at home. I think these two teams actually are similar. They're both lacking big-time playmakers, guys that can flip the field, get the big touchdown. Yes, Ohio State has Marvin Harrison. It's one guy that you can game plan. I'm sure a guy like Marcus Freeman, whose background is defense, can take one player like a, Mar- uh, a Marvin. Yeah, you're saying mul- you're saying they lack multiple playmakers that, that yes. make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. If you devote yourself in the past, if you devoted yourself to one guy on Ohio State's offense, you can get crushed to death by another guy. If it's not a running back, it's one or two other receivers. And right now, I'm just not seeing that in Ohio State. Um they don't have a dynamic pass rusher like a guy that you just can't stop. They don't have a Bosa. They don't have a Chase Young, at least not yet. No one has made themselves um, into that person yet. And so that can keep a game even back and forth. I see it being hard for Ohio State to run away from Notre Dame. And you're in South Bend. If things are close at the end, 
I it's a weird we game for me because normally in a game like this, I, I'm with you. I'm kind of leaning taking the points in Notre Dame. Uh, usually a team like Ohio State has been established coming in. I feel they have a coaching advantage, right? Young guy at Notre Dame. Sure. I'm not a big Ryan Day supporter at this point. I, I just kind of see him. He inherited a juggernaut from Urban Meyer. And while he hasn't completely messed it up, for the talent level and the amount of NFL talent going through there, he's got his head handed to him back-to-back years by Michigan. So I don't feel there's a huge coaching advantage here. He's breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame's got one of these six-year guys, you know, mm-hmm. been around like, you yeah. know, the kid from Penn State last year. Um, so so I kind of feel this is going to be one of those games. It becomes more of a defensive slog by right. today's college standards. So in, in that type of game, Three and a half points has more meaning. It to me, it feels more like an NFL style game where three and a half points might mean something. And this could be a field goal game at the end. 23, 20, 24, 20, 20, 20, 21, yes. sure. Yes. So you know, I'm leaning Notre Dame, but I don't feel great about it. I mean, I could see this. Notre Dame, we don't know what we have, right? Mm-hmm. They've played Navy, Tennessee State, NC State. Okay, they're pretty good. Central Michigan. We just don't know. Right. And and Ohio State hasn't played anybody. They played a conference game with Indiana, fine, 23-3. At least they dominate defensively. The offensive, the offense struggled. So I'll take the three and a half. And then the other game I wanted to bring up, get your feeling on, is uh here in Happy Valley, or close by, a couple hours away where I am. I got Penn State night game, same time, by the way. So I'll be working the multiple. You can watch four games at once now, right? On, on YouTube, YouTube TV, TV. I, yes. I do have YouTube. You turned yes. me on YouTube. Yeah. Well, and they're not a sponsor, by the way. So if anybody who is associated with them happens to come by here, we do we do plug you. Yes. Uh, Penn State, Iowa, I think it's a 13 and a half point line I looked earlier. And uh, I said to you, it's one of those games where if I trusted Iowa even a tad bit offensively, I'd, I'd be tempted to take it. But – because I don't really like – Penn State's got a young quarterback, and I don't like what I saw from him. And I, and I don't know if they have enough outside, like you say, to flip the field quickly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I could see Penn State scoring 23 points and still covering because it wouldn't shock me if Iowa didn't get to 10. Yeah, I'm not bowled over by Penn State's defense, which makes me like Iowa here. And the same thing. They don't have Penn State dynamic skill position players – that can crush you emotionally if you're Iowa. Because I was going to play good. Penn, the Penn State's running backs are good, but where I think they struggle, I know their left tackle is supposed to be a top 10 NFL pick, but that's one guy. I don't see them dominating up front. Yeah. Like, you know, for the two running backs they have, they should be able to consistently against good teams run the football, and they, they sometimes can't. <laughs> I don't think Iowa's good enough to beat Penn State. But what Iowa has been very good at doing forever um, is hanging around and making it a fist fight and scaring the death out of you. And if you fold, then they'll beat you. Otherwise, you're going to leave out of that thing feeling like, whoo, I'm glad we won that one. And when we're talking about 13 and a half points, that says to me they could be inside of that number um, and and cover. Yeah, I mean, if, if again, about. forcing my hand on this one as an opinion, I would probably grab the 13 and a half points. 
and hope for the best. You know, if they get, I feel like if Iowa State can, if Iowa State, if Iowa can get to 17, I think I'm golden. I feel like this, you know, I think if they could get to 17, I don't think Penn State's going to blow them out. The question will be, can they move the ball enough? We'd be wrong, Emil, if we didn't talk about Mississippi versus Alabama. Oh. Game happening in Tuscaloosa. Alabama looked like 2007 last week, Saban's first year, where they had problems with teams that were very beatable on on paper because you're Alabama and those teams are those teams. And so it seems like everything's gone backwards for them. They don't have what they need at quarterback. Um, they don't have the – it seems like this is yet another team that I'm saying this about – they don't have the dynamic playmakers at um at wide out that can really help a quarterback. Not what we're used to. Yeah, definitely not. They don't have really a guy who could catch a slant and go 60, 70 yards and break a team's back. And now you're taking on a Mississippi team and Lane Kiffin, who listen, I know he did a lot for Nick, but there's no mistaking you know, parts of their relationship that they had there that oftentimes played out in front of the public on the sidelines where those two went at, he would like nothing better though. He has much reverence for Nick Saban than to beat him. And I think this is a great opportunity for him to do that. Um, Texas has already gone into Tuscaloosa and won. So we can take a little bit of mystique off of that. And you know what Lane brings to the party. He's going to score points. And I'm just concerned, Emil. Doesn't it seem too easy? I well, they're touchdown favorites a week after seventeen to three versus USF. So the number seems kind of right based on you lost at home to Texas, then you followed it up the next week by struggling with USF. Yeah, like, but doesn't it seem too easy? Like, like it's almost like they're giving me seven plus points. With and an I think Mississippi's going to win the game. Yeah, it almost seems too easy. What happens, Emil, if Mississippi wins and Alabama? is 0-2 at home. <laughs> the, the state police better guard the bridges down there because there'll I be a lot of people. I talked last week about what this fan base is going to be when Nick Saban leaves. Well, he doesn't necessarily have to leave before this to unfold. Fans are already out of their minds. Last week is basically a loss because you only beat USF 17-3. to And now a former son, stepson, is coming to town and you lose and you're – what is it? They'd be two and two, oh and two at home. Here, here, here's the one thing I will say: the Mississippi quarterback is a former USC guy. He played his freshman year at USC. Jackson Dart, really good athlete. He does at certain points get careless with the football. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could see Nick rallying the troops, turning this kid over a few times, and figuring out a way to win this game because. He's still Nick Saban. I don't want to be overly dramatic here. I think, Emil, the dynasty is at stake in this game. That's what I think. Oh, this, it's it's the – listen, this stake. is – you know what this is? For me, the only analogy I can give you as a fan of USC is this is 2009 hmm. when Pete was ready to leave and – it was it was the what the hell was that game where 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 Harbaugh had the twenty point lead late in the Coliseum yeah. and Allstott punched it in unnecessarily. Yeah, fifty five twenty eight. It feels like this could be that moment. So again, and very similar, right? At the time, Stanford was 
of Mississippi of the Pac-12. Like trying yeah, to come getting, up. Trying to yeah, trying to come up. So again, I agree with you. The dynasty's at stake, but if forced, I'm still gonna take Nick here. If you're talking about handicapping it, I'm taking Mississippi plus seven. Okay. Yeah, that 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 would be me on this that. one. We don't see a like because I just I feel like it's too easy to run to Mississippi in this point because I saw Alabama struggle with South Florida. Lynn, uh, you know, Lane better sees this chance here. This you've got a wounded guy. You better take him out. But we'll see. I'm 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 going to skip over to UCLA, Utah. I just want to see what both of these teams have. The number seems low, like they're trying to encourage us to take Utah. So that makes me feel like UCLA. Why is that number so low? Uh, well, Cam Rising still not back there uh, from that torn ACL, and in this game, in Utah, I though this is a home. I got to be honest with you. I like UCLA in this game. So do I. I like I just, UCLA because I don't I, feel I don't feel good about liking UCLA in this game. No, and and. and there's a part of me that says, why do I like UCLA? I mean, I know, you know, Florida looked a lot better on Saturday and Utah beat them, but Utah didn't do much to beat Florida. Florida kind of beat Florida themselves that night. And, and we saw the Baylor game. Baylor essentially had that game and threw it away in the last half, half of the fourth quarter. Um, I think rising masks a lot of deficiencies Utah has with playmakers because he he's dynamic and that he can run, he can tuck the ball under and make you know he can make it tough on your defense. And I think without him, it kind of makes them easier to defend for UCLA. So mm. if you for, I would take four and a half points. I just got a gut on yeah, UCLA. I'm, I'm I'm with you on that one. All right, let's slide over to uh, NFL right now. Let's start off with the picks that we had last week. Oh. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. Oh, talk about, you know... What's going Listen, on? Listen, you have been all things handicapping this year, my friend. He was two and one again last week. I'm not. Uh, I'm not could... happy about the one. We'll get to that. Let's talk about the two first. When you're four and two on the year, his first two winners last week: he had Tennessee Titans plus three outright winner against the Chargers. I had to sweat uh, that feeling, one out, buddy. I had to sweat it out. You did. And I have a feeling you you hold the Charger coach in about the same regard I do. So I I, I kind of saw where you were going with that one. Uh, yeah, and look, then, I don't – Brandon Staley, like, hey, we've got this quarterback. Has Herbert signed a deal yet? No? Okay. Let's get it yep. – let's get it together. You're running out of time. He, he experiments a lot. Let's put it that way. Um you took Seattle. That was impressive because that was a, a an old school handicapping trick. You know, you looked at a team that was 
pretty good coming into the year. We all kind of thought Seattle looks like a good club. They went out the first week, and I don't know what the hell they did at home against the Rams. I know the Rams played well again last week, but I still think by the end of the year, the Rams are under 500, okay? They got throttled, and you came right back with them plus five and a half at Detroit, who's everybody's darling. And, you know, for the well, most that was part, also a mixed drink special because I had to go to overtime to get the stupid win. And you shouldn't have because, to be honest with you, Seattle had that game in control in the fourth quarter and then kind of gave it away and took it back, fortunately for you. So you got to win there. And then you had that loser on Green Bay, minus one and a half. The Packers kind of had that game in a stranglehold. They, they did. Were up 20, 24-12. You're feeling good about them. You're thinking Atlanta's going to be challenged to score. And sure enough, they lose the game 25-24. And, and that's a, that was a tough one because – for three quarters of that game, the Packers had control of it and then yeah. kind of ruined my three and oh Sunday that I needed. So yeah, you went four and two. And me, I, I I don't know what it is, but one and two seems to be my thing this year. I was one and two, two and four now in the NFL. I had my losers, I had the 49ers giving eight to the Rams. And honestly, they lost they won by seven, but they really, you know, everyone's oh, up talk- in arms by the late field goal, by the way. Yes, let's talk about that. Playing poorly most of the day. The Rams had control of that game for two and a half quarters. Then the talent took over. 49ers have a 30-20 to 20 lead. There's four seconds left in the game. Ten seconds after he kicked the field goal, there's four. There's clearly not enough time to get two scores. Most coaches just take a shot at the end zone. Not, not, <laughs> not Sean McVay. No, 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 no. He sends his kicker out. Okay, now I don't know what he was planning because the kid made it 30 to 23 and there's four seconds left. So I don't know if he thought he was going to onside kick and return it for a touchdown, whatever. That's how I took it. And said kick the field goal there. So he just yes. followed the, the spreadsheet. He pulled out a sp- kick the field goal. Okay. <laughs> then I have my, my dog pick of the week. I should be shot for this one. I took the Bengals and I know they only lost 27 24, but they were given three and a half. And honestly, I that score wasn't as close. I saw a lot of that game. The, the score was much closer than when you were. If you were just watching the game, you're like, Baltimore's killing them. <laughs> Emma, one of the top three mind-boggling things in the first two weeks of this NFL season is Cincinnati's offense and Joe Burrow. I'm not, you know, the Cincinnati pick for you was like the Seattle pick for me. Okay, you you threw a clunker out there in week one. Now yeah. you're, you should be able to do what it is that we've seen you do. And it just didn't happen for Burrow to come out and look like he did in week one was is something's going on there and it better get fixed in a hurry or heads are going to roll. Well, he's taken a lot of sacks so far in his career. And, and for some reason, they just don't feel or can't or don't know how to fix it. But they they really haven't fixed their offensive line there. Mm. And you're a defensive coach. That's deep routes to use a Jamar chase and guys like him. You got to have some time to let him get down. the field. Sure. Um, and, and they've got to figure that out. Leave a tight yeah. end, leave a tight end and a back end. You got to do something. Cause this being under a hundred yards, throwing interceptions, is just not going to get it done. Oh, so, I mean, I took a loss there and finally I had my win. And even these guys made a game that they dominated. They made me th- Sweat it out. I had the Dolphins giving two and a half. I don't think the Patriots are a good football team. I don't think they will be. 
And on the flip side, the Dolphins look like world beaters right now. Right now, I would say the Dolphins are the best team right now in in the NFL with two road wins, especially with this one against a divisional opponent. Just the way that they look offensively, they have moments there where they just don't look like they can be stopped on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, but they were in this game because they were up 17-3. And at the end, I mean, I'm sitting there sweating it out. They need a first down. They win the game 24-17. Amo, this is the field. Amo, this is the NFL. Okay, I'm going to read you some scores. 31, 28, 35, 24, 25, 24, 27, 24, 37, 31, 27, 24, 17, 9, 30 to 23, 35, 33, 24, 17, 20 to 17, 26 yeah. to 22. I had my little rant in the beginning about officials, but even outside of that, just look at how these games are ending. It's our last possession. Well, that's what makes the NFL, as far as a, you know, like we talk about it, you, we like college for different reasons. Hmm. But if you're following a sport, the NFL is so much more compelling to follow than college because on any week, it really doesn't matter what the schedule says. They're NFL teams, and generally the games are going to be competitive, whereas we get a week like last week in college, there's a couple games that surprisingly were competitive. But generally speaking, you had a lot of clunkers. And Man, this just, thing's you know, a heart attack waiting to happen. Can you imagine being a Denver better on Sunday? Oh, can you imagine the being- end of that game. Yeah, can you imagine being an Arizona Cardinal better in that game? You ended up covering, but for God's sakes, you almost had a stroke just getting a point spread covered. I mean, what the Cardinals did was astonishing. You know, a game where they're up 20 to nothing at the half, 28-7 early in the third quarter. The Giants look lost at sea, and then all of a sudden, the Giants yeah. quarterback ends up throwing for 350 yards. He's Eli Manning in both Super Bowls all of a sudden. Yep, So. yep. Yeah, it's a, Why don't you go first with your picks here in the NFL? Since uh, All right. These guys shot me in the heart last week. I'm not going to hold a grudge unless they do it to me again. So I'm going to take Green Bay, who's back home off of a disappointing loss, against a team that played on Monday night and has a short week to prepare and is not, not that good. They're 2-0, but the New Orleans Saints are not that good. No. And what they are now is outside on grass against – a good football team and the saints historically have just not been a good grass football team. And they are coming off of the high of a Monday night win, albeit against, you know, a division one football team that they beat short week to prepare. And what's our number in Greek? I just need them to win. Uh, you're given two with, you're given two with the Packers, which seems small. I have to agree with you. I mean, Jordan Love points. looks good. I don't know what happened yeah. that game there. They've got a good rushing attack. They're opportunistic on defense. They fell asleep right there. I can't see a pair of NFC South teams in back-to-back weeks beating the Green Bay Packers. Just no, I agree with you. That. So, I'm so we got the Packers minus two. What do you got next? Staying in the NFC Norris division, Detroit might have disappointed some people last week. All right. Um, they lose at home against the Seattle Seahawks in a, you know, a nail biter. They fought Atlanta comes in off of the high of beating the green Bay Packers in comeback fashion. I don't think you and I think Atlanta are world beaters. We don't even think do we, that they could would win their division coming into this thing. They got their victory. They're happy. They're giddy. I can't see their young quarterback 
traveling into a, a, a motivated town like Detroit against a motivated team like Detroit, who's physical and is not very happy about what happened last week and getting a victory. So I'm going to back Detroit, who should be five and a half, five. What are they? They're three and a half. Even better, baby. So I'm going to take Detroit. Um, yeah. The visiting Atlanta yeah. team. And then finally, we talked about it. Emil, there's just no way in high hell that Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals can roll out there and stink offensively for the third week in a row the way today. If they do, it's going to be the story. Am I overstating it? I think they're playing for their season. Well, um, the I mean, you're 0-2. The statistics would say to you, there's only been one team that went 0-3, I think, and made a Super Bowl. Uh, or made it to the I think play. one of those Charger teams in the 90s started 0 and 4 and ended up winning like 11 of their last 12 and made the playoffs. And I'm not sure if they they got to the AFC Championship game or made the Super Bowl, but it's rare. I think in today's game at 0 and 3, I think they're playing for their season. I heard this stat since 2010 there've been 99 teams that have started off the season at 0 and 3. Only one team made the playoffs and that was Houston one of those years, 2017 yeah. or something. Well, like you're that. given two and a half with, with, with I just the need them to win this football game. I don't see the Rams coming into town against a team like Cincinnati that has their back against the wall and winning this game on the road and under the Monday night lights. No, and I think, you know what, I think what helps you. And I like this pick because I think the physicality of playing the 49ers might've taken something out of the Rams too, for you. So you know, they should come into this game tender. Like, you know, when, when somebody makes a nice veal. They're sore. Yeah. You have Italian. You know, you cook, you pound the veal, you make it nice and thin. I think they're sore. I think they got pounded like veal. So Chad's that whole sequence the- of sentences you just put together there, someone might take and turn it into something really, really bad, my friend. Yes. The hand might. motion, a pounding. The hand motion, tender, sure. Yeah, it's really bad. Pounding it, veal. What's the number? The The, the number here is... Two and a half. So Chad's got three picks for you. He's got the Green Bay Packers minus two. He's got the Detroit Lions minus three and a half and the Cincinnati Bengals minus two and a half. I'll can roll I, can I ask you something? Sure. You probably feel the same way. We're from that same era. How do you feel about two Monday night football games? Uh, it's stupid within an hour of one another, but I, I told you why. My wife, leave it to my wife to figure it out because I couldn't figure I'm like, why would you play games at 7 15, 8 15? On, on ABC and ESPN, which are both owned by Disney, they're looking for – they have 10 extra games this year because of the writer's strike. They decided to put content because they don't have new content. So, hey, might as well Good put sports on. Job there, Denise Calamino. I like she, it. She came up with that. So she Because she's like, she's like, you're right. It doesn't make any sense an hour apart, but it does because it's There's still no better There's no great anatomy nothing. or anything like yes, that. Yes, yes. So here we go. I'm going to give you mine to end the show, and hopefully – I turned my boat around this week. I'm starting with the same team you did, the Lions. Uh, Coming off a home loss, I think they're a good football team. They're not losing back-to-back games at home. I got three and a half is a little risky. I understand three is a big number in the NFL. But I think Atlanta's kind of, uh, you know, out-punched themselves here. They've punched above their weight. I don't think Atlanta's a 2-0 team, although they are 2-0. I think scales get evened out this week. The Lions go to 2-1 and give the Falcons their first loss. Uh, the next game, always hesitant on the road, but I think the Bills kind of righted the ship a little bit last week. The Commanders have been an interesting team so far in that they came back against your son's team in week one. You were there against the Cardinals. 
they struggled in the game. Uh, I think Howell took five or six sacks. They they looked like they they didn't get off. They didn't get the wake up call in Denver last week, and then all of a sudden, bang, they come back two weeks in a row coming back. I think they're running into a good football team here, a team you have in the AFC Championship game, and I think the Bills kind of put it to them this week. Now, do I think it's going to be a twenty point game? No, but this this to me feels like. 33 20 Buffalo or something like that. I think they cover this, this number and get, you know, what's Bovada say the number is six and a half, six and a half. I, I need them to win by touchdown. So I got the bills. And then uh, finally I'm going with the Monday night game to end the week. Um, I have a, and this is not the cowboy fan of me. This is the analyst. I don't like what I've seen so far from the Eagles. They're two and oh struggled mightily against the Patriots in a game that they could have lost. I mean, some questionable decision-making by Belichick strategic, uh, strategically. They won by five. And then last week against the Vikings, 34-28. That's not a good Minnesota team. Um, and now they're playing a 2-0 and Bucks team. It's all full of themselves. A team that was a playoff team that a lot of us wrote off because Brady retired. And somehow, right now, and I don't want to jinx them, Baker Mayfield is playing some good football. Hmm. And they're home on Monday night, primetime game. They're catching four and a half points. I don't know if they win the game. But in the NFL, I just said, three is a number. When you get four and a half at home, they got to be competitive. And I think they're going to be in this game all night. Who knows? Probably a little guy with the with his foot decides it one way or another. Uh, but I like the, the Bucks plus four and a half. I like Baker Mayfield, man. I you know, I wish him I wish him all well there. So um to recap things. You have Detroit minus three and a half. You like the Bills to go in and bring the commanders back to reality, laying six and a half in Washington. And then you like the Bucks to hold tight, getting four and a half yes. points against. And, I, and I'd like the audience to know I was talking about Veal, if anybody tries this. They're not going to forgive you, man. There's just, no. just not going to forgive you for this okay. at all. I don't <laughs> see anything. All right. Can you give me a quick opinion on the Patriots and the Jets? Yes, I would actually take the Jets in that game. I think the Patriots are going to have a nightmare season. I really do. I think these are two teams that are going to struggle offensively in this game. And I think the Jets' defense is better than the Patriots' defense. So I'm going to, I think that the Jets adjust their game plan this week, realizing we're not playing a dynamic offensive team. We can play this one tight to the tight, close to the vest. And I think they're going to, they're going to steal a win here. Yeah, I think the Pats might be cooked in 2023 yeah I, mean, I think i think it's ironic that belichick and saban are might their dynasties are both kind of coming together and falling down at the same time they're both 71 year old men who've been in the game for quite some time and it would just be apropos if i could use that word yes for them to cancel out and hit the road at the same time go hang out at the lake together i heard uh saban bought a place down here in palm beach they're friends i think i think they've you know i think they are they are. They they yeah. are indeed friends. They get together every year, and now they could do that maybe at Saban's home that he just bought down here in Palm Beach. Nice piece of property. They can cast off and do that, although I think Bill is going to um, hang on a little harder than maybe Nick would. Probably. Bill seems a little crazier than Nick, and that's <laughs> how I see it. All right, that's our time. Um, we've been here with you for quite some time, but it's football season, man. You know, stuff can time can fly here when we're doing this show, but we want to thank you guys. Um, all once again for checking in to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. Once again, on your way out, if you've not had a, yet a chance to subscribe either to us on YouTube or on your streaming device for podcasts, 
please do that. We'd appreciate it if you join us here every week, and we hope that you've enjoyed um, what you've liked here. If you have any comments at all about anything on the show, um, picks, um, you know, anything that we touched here on the show, feel free to reach out. C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. And check us out on social media um, at gridironstuds on Twitter. You can go. I'm, I'm going to give you the Twitter address. You can go on there and uh, don't send me no casual football fan stuff because I'm going to blow you out. No. Of I've had it up to here. I've had it up to maybe here. You should, maybe you should have Scooter, SEC Scooter answer those emails. You don't want SEC Scooter to start answering tweets. It's not <laughs> going to be good. All right, folks, appreciate you listening. We're going to be back at you next week to talk about all the fun that was and what's coming your way. For Emil Calamine, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. See you guys next week.